Welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Lenora Walters, and joining me today are Dave Baxter from the Home Team and Annabelle Brody-Smith, Communications Director at the Association of Investment Companies. The coronavirus pandemic and subsequent economic fallout have had severe effects on markets and investment assets around the world. This, not surprisingly, has also had an effect on the funds which invest in them, including investment trusts, a type of fund which is listed on the UK stock market. Annabel, first of all, for our listeners who aren't familiar with investment trusts, what are these funds and their main attributes? Hello, Leonora. Well, investment trusts are companies, as you said, listed on the stock market. They invest in a portfolio of investments, so that can be stocks or equities, and they can cover a variety of sectors. So for equities, it could be UK, global, emerging markets, those sort of sectors. Um, they can also invest in hard-to-sell and hard-to-buy assets, illiquid assets, so property, infrastructure, renewable energy infrastructure, those sort of things. They're particularly suitable for those because they're closed-ended. There's a fixed number of shares in issue. The shares are bought and sold on the stock market. So the manager, unlike in an open-ended fund, they're never a forced seller. They don't have to manage inflows and outflows of money. They can take a long-term view of their portfolio. And that's very helpful in volatile markets like we're experiencing now. As you said, um, markets have been volatile and have experienced very sharp falls. So as investment trusts are listed on these markets, so their share prices also experience sharp falls. Yes, absolutely. Um, I put together some data for you. If you look at the average investment trust over the last year to the end of March, it's down 12%. And to put that into some sort of comparison, the FTSE all share over the last year to the end of March is down 18%. But if we just focus on the investment trust sector during the coronavirus sell-off, um, and I've looked at from the end of December 2019 to close of play on April the 22nd, the average investment company is down 16%. So we have seen some quite sharp falls there. Okay, so now there's obviously, like you said, like um, lots of different types of investment trusts. So which ones have experienced the sharpest falls? Right. Well, again, looking at that period, the end of December to April the 22nd, um, the leasing sector is down 50%. Now, if you think about it, this sector is dominated by companies that lease airplanes to airlines. And obviously, with the coronavirus pandemic and no one able to travel, it's not surprising the sector is suffering. Um, the UK sectors have suffered. Uh, UK smaller companies is down 33%. UK all companies down 32%. And UK equity income down 26%. Now, if you think about it, if you remember, these were some of the best performers in 2019 just benefited from the post-election bounce. Um, and clearly, with the pandemic, there's concern about the stability of the smaller companies in the UK and really the impact of the coronavirus on the UK consumer. If you also think about it, we've had the oil price issues, lack of demand for oil, collapse in the, in the oil price. 
companies in the UK equity income sector and some of the other sectors as well would be investors in companies such as Shell and BP and would have been affected by that. Just one more, perhaps, or UK, uh, the commodities and natural resources sector is down 29%. Again, lack of demand for commodities and natural resources due to a slowdown in activity due to coronavirus. Um, and a, a really interesting sector, the UK commercial property sector, down 26%. Um, and if you think about the direct impact of lockdown, particularly on uh, companies with exposure to retail and leisure, it's not surprising they've been very much affected. But they are still trading where a number of the open-ended property funds have actually suspended. Okay. Now, when an investment trust share price falls, the value of its assets don't necessarily move in sync with it, meaning that they can trade at a discount to net asset value or NAV for short. So, Annabelle, have these trusts which have experienced these sharp uh, share price falls swung out to wide discounts to NAV? Well, many of the sectors I have mentioned um, are, have swung out to big discounts, absolutely. So, for example, leasing is on a 60% discount, very wide. Commodities and natural resources is on a 44% discount. And UK commercial property is on a 26% discount. But, and I've got a big but here, UK sector discounts are actually comparatively narrow. So UK smaller companies is on an 8% discount, UK all companies on a 2% discount, UK equity income on a 3% discount. Now we've got to remember there is a difference between these sort of equity sectors and the sectors in hard to sell assets like property. The equity sectors are revaluing their portfolio every day so they're producing a new NAV every day and remember this, the discount shows the difference between the share price and the NAV as a percentage whereas sectors like property normally value quarterly or even twice a year so there's going to be a big time lag on the valuations so the discounts on those sectors many of them will be artificially wide but, but I think also, you know, we have seen some buying of the UK sectors too. Okay. Now, have any types of investment trusts um, which swung out to wide discounts, um, you know, as markets kind of tumbled, recovered yet? Well, actually, I mean, you'll be surprised that, in fact, the whole sector has recovered from where it was. So if I look at uh, the, the point where the discount was at its widest was on the 19th of March, when the average discount was 25%. And if you think, you know, in the financial crisis, the widest month fund discount was 18%. So that's considerably wider. It is currently now 11%, the discount. So discounts have come in on practically Every sector we've seen a strong recovery. So, for example, on the 19th of March, UK commercial property sector was actually at 40% discount. It's now at 26%. UK equity income at that stage was on the 19th of March was on a 10% discount. It's now at 3%. 
it's interesting also to look at some of our more mainstream sectors. So, for example, the global sector, many well-known investment company names in the global sector, companies like F&C, Investment Trust, Witten, that was on a 14% discount on the 19th of March. It's now 2%. Europe was at a 16% discount, now 8 So we have seen a lot of discount movement and quite a lot of recovery across the sector. I suppose, um, you know, sticking to things that have done better, are there any types of investment trusts that haven't experienced steep share price falls and wide swings uh, out in their discount at all? Um, yes, there really are. I mean, the technology and media sector has really been the, the winner from the coronavirus pandemic. Um, if you think about it, um, from the end of December 2019, so as I said, 22nd of April, the share price is up 8% from that sector. It's on a, a 1% uh, discount. It was on a 17% discount on March the 19th, so we've seen a lot of movement there. And it's not surprising if you think that we're all relying more on technology during the pandemic to work, to shop, for entertainment. And these, uh, the companies in this sector have sort of big tech names like Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, and Netflix. So, you know, that sector is doing really well. Uh, in addition, the hedge fund sector is up um, 7%. Now, this is an interesting one because it's up 7% during that pandemic period, but it stands on a 27% discount. So we have companies in the hedge fund sector who have been positive throughout this pandemic period who are standing still on quite wide discounts. When you think about it, hedge funds, the whole idea is that they will um, protect your investment from different types of markets, down markets as well as up markets. And across the sector, it has done that, but it's still on a wide discount. Okay. Um, now, um, as you've been explaining, um, investment trust share prices and discounts and premiums to NAV can be quite volatile. So why would you argue that um, investors should still consider them rather than open-ended funds, which aren't listed, to have unit prices in line with the value of their assets? Well, you're quite right. With investment trusts, over the short term, you're going to have a bumpier ride. They are more volatile but than open-ended funds. But for those very same reasons, over the long term, they outperform open-ended funds. So if I give you a couple of figures to demonstrate that, the average investment trust over 10 years to the end of March is up 111%. The average open-ended fund over 10 years to the end of March is up 60%. Um, and if we just look at some comparative companies, uh, companies, open-ended funds and investment trusts managed by the same fund manager, we call these sister funds. AJ Bell recently did some research looking at these sister funds from investment trusts and open-ended funds. And they found that investment trusts outperform open-ended funds 77% of the time over the last decade. Um, and the reason they outperform is the reason, are the same reasons why they're more volatile. So they are listed, they're affected by sentiment, discounts widen out when in periods of poor market sentiments. They have the ability to gear so they can borrow money to invest and that will magnify performance. 
So it's a boost when markets are performing strongly, but it's a drag when markets are performing poorly. Um, but the close-ended structure is also really important in times of market volatility. Our investment trust managers can sit down, take a long-term view of their assets, get their portfolio ready and positioned for recovery. Whereas open-ended fund managers have to deal with redemptions and they have to sell parts of their portfolio, perhaps parts of their portfolio they don't want to sell to meet those redemptions. And as a result, yeah, investment trusts are more volatile, but when the recovery comes, they normally bounce back swiftly. Okay. Now, um, that takes me to another potential benefit. Investment trusts have got a good reputation for being able to pay a reliable income. How do they do this? Yes, well, they've got a unique feature, actually, a unique income advantage. They don't have to pay out all of their income every year like open-ended funds do. They can retain up to 15% of their income each year. They screw it away, put it in revenue reserve for a rainy day. And then when tough times come, and we've definitely got tough times at the moment, they can use that revenue reserve to boost their dividends. So investment trusts have used this income advantage to create long-term records of dividend growth. Okay, and um, what would be examples of trusts that have been able to do this? Well, I think the classic examples are the dividend heroes. Those are the investment trusts that have increased their dividends every year for over 20 years. Um, and we've got four companies that have increased their dividend every year for over 50 years. Their City of London Investment Trust, 53 years of increases. Bankers Investment Trust, that's a global investment trust, 53 years. Alliance Trust, again, a global investment trust, 53 years of increases. And Caledonia Investments, 52 years. And we have got 20 investment trusts that have increased their dividends every year for over 20 years. Okay. Now, some trusts uh, pay dividends from capital. How does this work and can it be beneficial? Yes, well, some trusts do pay dividends from their capital profits. It works really well in sectors where perhaps the trust doesn't receive um, much income from its portfolio or where they want to boost a lower dividend. So, for example, if you've got a sector like private equity or venture capital trusts where they're investing in unquoted companies, and then the investment trust is realizing, so selling those unquoted companies, and they've got a lot of cash coming in. It makes sense to pay those dividends out. Um, and it can lead to a re-rating of that investment trust. So say it was on a wide discount, the discount narrows because there is a lot of demand for income. Income's been hard to get really since the financial crisis. Okay. Now, um, what are the drawbacks, let's say, to either, you know, stashing income in a reserve or, you know, paying dividends from capital? I mean, doesn't it have a detrimental effect on investment trust total returns? Well, in terms of the of the reserve, obviously, um, revenue reserves are invested, so they're not kept in cash. I need to emphasise that. With open-ended funds, they have to pay out all their income to their investors. So their income will be much more bumpy. It will be slightly higher than investment trusts during good times. But when income is cut, it's going to be much lower. 
with the revenue reserve, you've got much more sort of income stability. So if you're looking at an investor who's looking for a more reliable income to meet your living expenses, there are no real drawbacks to the revenue reserves. Looking at paying income from capital, yes, it will have an impact on your total returns, but many investors are happy with that. That's why they've chosen to invest in a company that's paying that sort of dividends. Otherwise, they would have invested in a company with purely capital returns. Um, also, investors have uh, to approve whether that company can pay income out of capital. But I do think it's important to emphasize that the independent boards of directors have an important role with companies paying income out of capital because they have to decide whether the dividend is sustainable, what impact of paying it will have on the returns for shareholders in the future, and whether it's in their best interest to pay that dividend. Having the option to pay income in one of these ways still doesn't guarantee that trusts uh, won't have to suspend, cancel or cut their dividends. So are many trusts having to do this as a result of the uh, coronavirus outbreak and consequent effects on markets? Well, some trusts have had to cancel or cut dividends, but it really it depends on the type of trust. So, for example, um, in the UK commercial property sector, trusts that have um, a high exposure to retail or leisure have had to cut or suspend their dividends. Um, it also depends. On the other hand, if you have uh, equity trusts with strong revenue reserves, then there's a bit more income stability there. So, for example, 18 out of 25 companies in the UK equity income sector have enough reserves to pay a year's worth of dividends, even if they receive no income from their portfolio. But having said that, dividends, as we realise in this crisis, are not guaranteed. It depends if it's a very long, drawn-out process, then, of course, it will affect more companies' ability to pay their dividends. If it's shorter, then those companies can use their revenue reserves. Those equity companies can use their revenue reserves. Okay. Now, um, we've um, we've spoken about um, income problems and uh, discount swings, but um, what other challenges do investment trusts face at the moment? Well, it's strange. Since June 2016, for three years, we seem to talk about nothing but Brexit, and now we seem to have forgotten all about it. But of course, there is still a deal to be negotiated and the impact that will have on trade between the UK and the EU. And it will, of course, have an impact on uh, the economy and investment trusts. Having said that, for investment trust Brexit could be an opportunity in some ways, to revise some of the more unhelpful European regulation. Uh, so, for example, the key information documents, uh, which uh, private investors who buy on platforms have to say they've seen before they can buy, um, these were very misleading documents in terms of the performance indicator and risk indicator for investment trust. The data they were used, using was based on past performance. So it was much too positive, really, quite honestly. And, um, you know, it might be an opportunity for us to revise some of that sort of regulation. Everyone knows past performance is no uh, useless in terms of an indicator of the future performance. 
Okay. Uh, I'm just finding in a more positive note, what are the opportunities for investment trusts at the moment? Increasing number of private investors are managing their own portfolios. They're finding their way to investment trusts. They're staying invested due to pension freedoms. Then we've had a lot of growth in alternative assets within the industry, particularly those income-generated alternative assets. And for example, ESG opportunities in renewable energy infrastructure sector, which has grown rapidly, and they invest in solar and wind energy. Um, but I, I think we all realise at the moment that it's been a nerve-wracking time. We need to take a long-term approach to our portfolio. The sell-off has created some stock opportunities for managers and investors, but of course, we wish that we weren't here in these devastating impact that coronavirus has had on people's lives. Um, no one knows what markets will do next. Uh, there's, the recovery could continue or there could be another dip down, a double dip on further bad news. But it's reassuring to know that investment trusts have been around for over 150 years. They've survived two world wars, the Great Depression, the dot-com bubble bursting and the financial crisis. And we will survive coronavirus. Okay, thank you, Annabelle. A really helpful update on the investment trust sector. And also see the funds section of our website for day support on investment trusts for a well placed to provide a good income. Much attention has been given to areas of the market and funds which have fallen. But as we've just mentioned, there are investment trusts which have been holding up. Dave, you've been looking more widely at which assets and funds have held up amid market plunges. So what are your findings? Hi, Leonora. Um, yeah, so a bit more good news, particularly if you are an investor who likes to run a, a traditional balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. Basically, government bonds um, have performed very strongly in the sell-off, which is interesting because government bonds have been the subject of many concerns about their high prices, about challenges ahead. But once again, they have maintained their traditional role as a good diversifier against falls and equities. Okay, so how could you get exposure to these? A simple way to get exposure would be just to use an exchange-traded uh, fund. In the case of the UK government bond market, um, one name you could use is iShares Core UK Gilts ETF. Um, but there are plenty of um, names available. But as I said, there are challenges for gilts. Prices look high. The heavy fiscal stimulus we've seen um, could hurt government bond prices in future. And also there's the issue of duration, which is basically sensitivity to changes in interest rates. That means that um, the higher duration, the um, more exposed you are to a rise in interest rates and the more the government bond price should fall. If you're going to take the passive route, so using an ETF, for example, then you tend to have a higher duration, so you are more vulnerable to that change if and when it does happen in the distant future. Okay, so if you're concerned on duration, how else could you invest in government bonds? Yeah, so with duration and with the other challenges we've mentioned, you could perhaps be a bit more flexible and adaptive by using an active guilt fund. One name we've looked at is Allianz Guilt Yield team behind that fund looks at um, factors such as inflation, looks at duration, looks at the broader macroeconomic situation, and then they um, position their portfolio accordingly. So they might be a bit better placed to um, adapt to developments in the market than the passive route. Okay. Now, how are other types of bonds performing? Yeah, so corporate bonds um, can also be 
reasonably defensive, but not as defensive as government bonds. But the sheer severity of the sell-off um, and also the deep economic impact of um, the coronavirus shutdown has meant that generally um, corporate bonds have been hit quite hard as well, as have the funds that invest in them. But now, you know, the sell-off may present some opportunities in that space. So if you do want to kind of maintain some level of defensiveness, but also take advantage of what's going on, it might be worth considering something like a strategic bond fund. They can invest across the whole bond universe. That gives them a huge amount of flexibility to, um, you know, navigate and take advantage of the state of the market. Um, and some of these names have been quite defensively positioned with large allocations, the government bonds and the highest quality level of corporate bond markets. One name we've looked at um, that fits this criteria is Jupiter Strategic Bond. Have any other types of funds done relatively better during the recent market falls? Yeah, one interesting group um, that DIY investors may normally not consider is um, the multi-asset fund. Um, you have a handful of multi-asset funds that in recent years have been very defensively positioned. And um, for some of these names, that has paid off. Um, so, you know, investing in things like government bonds, but um, some other defensive assets. So just to give you one example, there's the Ruffer team. Um, they run funds like Ruffer Total Return, um, as well as an investment trust, both of which have held up relatively well in recent months. The team behind those funds, um, they look for long-term growth, but they also have this kind of underpinning philosophy of capital preservation. And um, they've been very cautiously positioned in recent times. So the funds own things like government bonds, but they also use, for example, um, market puts. So that's essentially insurance against a fall in your specified market. But as um, a source of kind of longer term growth, uh, they also have an allocation to equities. Okay. Now, you've not mentioned what's perhaps the <laughs> ultimate classic safe haven, and that's gold. Yep. How has it performed recently? Yeah, gold's had an interesting time. The gold price has generally performed quite well amid the volatility, but investors may have noticed um for example, at the end of February, you actually saw the price fall quite sharply. That has been attributed by some to investors essentially looking to easily access cash, sell something that's been performing well and is quite liquid. So in terms of funds, ETFs that give you exposure to the gold price have generally protected you and performed quite well in recent months. But what's interesting here is um, active funds with a focus on gold have been hit quite hard. And the reason for that is these funds tend, uh, rather than investing purely in you know gold itself, focusing on the gold price, they instead tend to focus on buying um, shares in gold miners and natural resources miners. Uh, so they've been caught up in the market volatility, but also they've been subject to some of the concerns around the lockdown. So if you want gold exposure, if you want that defensive attribute in your portfolio, you just need to be careful about what kind of fund you use. Okay, thank you, Dave, and see his full report on which areas have proved to be defensive and how you can access them in this week's big theme in the funds section. That brings us to the end of today's show, but see Investors Chronicle or the website at www.investorschronicle.co.uk for more on investment trusts, good funds for income and reliable defensive assets. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and have a good weekend.